1: Sufficient for the day is its own trouble.
0: Thank you, Meredith. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Enjoying the winter, I guess, that we're supposed to get. It's been so mild uh, the last number of months. Um, so this morning, I want us to have a think about this passage, particularly in these words of Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's something that we often hear just kind of by itself as a verse, but as we can see, it's part of a longer passage. So why did Jesus say it? What does he mean by it? Um, We're going to get there in just a few moments, but I want to take you back to my childhood just uh, really quick. So one of my favorite shows growing up was a show called Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, Anybody watch? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Garrett, awesome. Um, Well, this is like original 1980s. I know they got the animated one and everything, but this was the original one created by a Presbyterian minister and uh, actually narrated by Beatles legend Ringo Starr, like would you believe? Uh, So I had pretty good taste back then, I guess. Um, But anyways, really uh, enjoyed the show. But around that time, my parents bought me uh, a clock, not unlike this one. And the reason why I remember this clock is because it kind of became the focus of my anxiety as a childhood, in my, in my childhood. It was the kind of, uh, yeah, the thing that I remember as I began writing this sermon. And the reason for that is the later it got, and the more I heard this clock kind of ticking, you know, in my bedroom, the more anxious I would get. And the harder that I find it to actually get to sleep. And it became a real kind of, you know, trouble really during my childhood, trying to get to sleep, all this kind of thing. Now, I think that I have grown out of that, thankfully. I had kids of my own, and uh, I can fall asleep in like 20 seconds now, so (laughs) that works pretty well for me. Um, But up until recently, I feel like one thing that I hadn't really grown out of was worry or being anxious about things. And uh, just reading Jesus' words here this morning, it's, it's hard not to miss his main point. I mean, he says, do not be anxious, several times through these few verses. So we can see his main point, but how do you receive that? You know, or, or some of you may be thinking to yourself, you know what, that sounds idyllic. Um, that sounds great. But 21st century life, I mean, is that even possible? Do you not be anxious not to have, like, some sort of anxiety, worry in your life? Or maybe it's the fact that the people that Jesus was speaking to in these first century listeners, I mean, did they really have the kind of anxieties and worries that we have today They lived a long time ago? But the thing is, when you begin to think about it, they had plenty of reasons for for worry, anxiety, a lot of perhaps the same reasons that we tend to feel that way in terms of family or health, work, political, social tension. And so Jesus is speaking into this. He says, do not be anxious. Maybe another objection that you might have, I don't know if you've ever had this, where uh, you share something with somebody that you're quite concerned about, you're quite worried about. And uh, they just respond. Maybe they're doing something else. They're just like, don't worry about it. It's going to be, I'm sure it'll be okay. You know? And there's part of you just thinks like, do you really care? Do you understand? Can you hear what what I'm saying? So maybe we feel a little bit like that when we hear these words. But here's the thing. When we hear these words of Jesus this morning, it's important for us to remember this. If anyone... Is going to legitimately tell us, do not be anxious. It's Him. If anyone has the experience, the knowledge, the perspective, and the power to say, do not be anxious, it's Him. See, Jesus deeply cares about the things that keep us up at night, but He also understands the kind of things. That keep us up at night. He, he doesn't say these words as one innocently unaware or uninformed. As the prophet Isaiah declared, he was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. He lived under the shadow of an impending crucifixion for most of his life. He walked the path that we walk. He experienced life as a finite human in a broken world. But here's the thing. He also has overcome the world. He has the ultimate victory, the ultimate authority. So it's important that we recognize that when Jesus says, do not be anxious, several times over and over, do not be anxious. It's not a cliche phrase. It's a credible statement from a qualified source. Did you notice, though, that as we're we're listening to it, it's not just that Jesus says, do not be anxious, but he also gives several reasons, thankfully, uh, as to why we should not be anxious. We don't have time to go through all of them, but we can certainly look at some. Uh, verse twenty-five. Let's let's start there. Therefore, I tell you, do you not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on? Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So I have a pastor friend of mine who uh, says, when you see a therefore in the Bible, you got to ask what it's there for. It's, it's that's pretty clever. And uh, that's why I remembered it. And uh, so he has uh, this word here. Um, and so when you see the word therefore, you want to look what's before it, because that's important as you're about to read what's ahead. So we see therefore. So let's go back. Verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Okay, so what Jesus is doing here, he's contrasting two lives that have a a primary focus in their life that is very different. Number one, you have uh, someone who is primarily focused on God's kingdom, and they have an eternal perspective as they go through their day-to-day. They're not just kind of focused on earthly things. And so then he says, well, this other person, they are focused on the here and now and just the earthly things and acquiring things. So Jesus contrasts these two lives, and he he continues into verse 25 with another contrast. On the one hand, there's the one who is focused on food and drink and clothing and earthly things. Their mind and their emotions are kind of caught up in the pursuit of those things. But Jesus says, you want to come and follow me? Don't get caught up in the pursuit of those things. Life is more than these things. Now, you might be saying to me, well, any anxiety that I have in my life, it's certainly really not about food or clothing. I mean, we have a fairway, Costco, like pretty, you know, all those things. So what, we're, what, what is Jesus really saying to us here? Well, I think he's saying this, this is really significant. Our primary focus in life shouldn't be accessorizing ourselves, appeasing our appetites or accumulating possessions. Easy to fall into this, accessorizing ourselves, appeasing appetites, accumulating possessions. Jesus says, don't let your thoughts and your emotions become dominated by the pursuit of these things. I have a a friend of mine who's a financial advisor, and he uh, sometimes shares about some of the stories that he engages with, with with people. And they're a case study, literally, for what Jesus is saying here. They get caught up in accessorizing and and possessions for whatever reason, and they end up in real financial difficulty. That's kind of what Jesus is getting at here. He's basically saying that there's anxiety that can come from the pursuit of these things. But he's saying, don't get caught up in these. Life is more than these things. You have more to do. I've created you for more than than the pursuit of that. So Jesus says, lift your focus from these things into something that's ultimately important. So what is that? Well, Jesus says, our lives and our bodies are to be used by him for his purposes, for building his kingdom. Well, again, we'll get to that later in seeking first the kingdom. But here's the thing. When we make that the primary focus in our lives, we not only experience God's provision, we also experience His peace. We experience His provision and His peace. Verse 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So that free is again. Don't be anxious. And he gives us another reason here, which is this. We have a heavenly father who sees, who understands, who loves deeply. we have a heavenly father who has a panoramic view of your life, past, present, future. And from that perspective, he's able to, uh, he knows what you need, when you need it, when you need it maybe think of it this way. Um, For as long as I've been in the States, I've been a football fan. In fact, I started watching football before I even uh, moved to the States. And uh, one of the things that was puzzling for me, though, that there's some of the coaches, you know, they they aren't actually with the team. Uh, They're up in the stands or like in the stadium. And so I I realized, obviously, these are coordinators of different kinds. Um, But the reason why a lot of them like going up there is what do, you, what do you have? You have a perspective of the playing field. I mean, it's completely different from just being like level on the field. And so they're up there because they can make the best decisions, because they have the best kind of view. Same thing for air traffic control. Uh, you know, they're put up in towers so they can look over the traffic that's coming in and the traffic on the ground, and they can make the best kind of decision. What about, have you ever wondered why the stage is raised up like this? Um, it's making sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen, um, which I can see you, so I'm, wa- I'm watching. I'm watching. Um, just kidding, kind of, sort of. But um, you get the point, though. The, uh, God stands with that panoramic view of our life, and we don't often take that into consideration. In fact, if you're anxious about something, it's very hard for you to see beyond what is kind of drawing you in and what is dominating You're thinking. But Jesus reminds us here, we have a heavenly Father who knows what we need, when we need it. And I don't underestimate just how difficult that can be sometimes. I, I feel like there's been things that sometimes that you bring to God and you just think, any loving parent would just, they would just do this instantly. I mean, I'm asking you, God, Would you just do this? And I feel like there's no good reason why you wouldn't do this like right now, you know? That's difficult sometimes when we don't see that answer. Yet it makes me think of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, and he says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We have a heavenly Father who... Sees and knows and, and provides. Let me backtrack uh, just for a moment. I want to go back to verse 26. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite sequences of Jesus' teaching. I love the way Jesus takes everyday things and uses it to teach very profound truths. And so I want you to imagine Jesus is standing and, you know, people are listening to him. And, you know, maybe he pauses, I'm taking poetic license here, but maybe he pauses for a moment and he's talking about this anxiety and, and, and worry. And, and then he looks and he, there's a tree, there's birds, and he says, just consider the birds for a moment. I mean, they don't store away in barns and, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And, I mean, look at these flowers over here. I mean, you know Solomon, I mean, he wasn't even, he wasn't dressed like a, a red, like one of these and yet, aren't you more precious than these birds and these flowers? Jesus is reminding us through these everyday things of that God sees us, he knows us, he loves us. I want to encourage you just to even take a practical note from that. Look at the things that God has put around us in creation and using them to remind us of God's mindfulness of us. I do this quite a bit, uh, not only with the birds of the air, that's been a significant one for me and my family. It feels like God brings that one up a, a lot. Uh, but even just, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, I came out uh, here just after we had our young adult script here. And I, uh, and I went to the parking lot and the moon, I mean, it was one of those amazing ones where you just see kind of like the bottom of the moon. And anybody knows me, I'm a bit of an astronomy geek. But you had the moon, like, it was beautiful. But then off beside the moon was, it was, I should know this, it was either Jupiter or, like, Venus or something. But there was a planet just off there. And suddenly I had this sense of scope, you know, standing right in front of me. And not only just the scope of the solar system here, but God himself. And I felt like the psalmist in that moment who said, uh, King David, he said, you know, what is, what's, Man, that you're mindful of him. I mean, really. What's man that you would care for him? And yet, this is what Jesus is reminding us here. He's saying, Do you not be anxious. You have a loving father who sees you, who knows you. Verse 33, and this is kind of coming back full circle from where we started. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There is a theme of Jesus speaking to focus in our life. Remember he talked about removing our focus from like the th- earthly things and getting caught up in that, having an eternal perspective. Well, he's doing it here again, but he's doing it in a sense that it's, it's almost like an ultimate focus for our life. Because I don't know about you, and I'm anxious or worried about things. It feels like my My brain is kind of like a glass of sand and water, and you're just shaking it like this, you know, and your thoughts are all like this. But I love how Jesus comes back to the simplicity of the reason like, okay, why am I here today? Why has God created me? I'm going to start there. Step one, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. It's a famous verse, but what does it even mean? I mean, the late Anglican minister and British theologian John Stott, I think, helps us here. He says, To seek first this kingdom is to desire of first importance the spread of the reign of Jesus Christ. Such a desire will start with ourselves until every single department of our life, our home, marriage, family, personal morality, lifestyle, is joyfully and freely submissive to Christ. That might start off with a very simple prayer for you of just saying, Lord, I want your leadership in my life. I want your leadership in my life. I trust your ways. Your ways are good, perfect. I want to be like one of those disciples that you called. And I said, yep. I'm going to follow you. And of course, it might start with a prayer like that, but it becomes very practical of walking with Jesus through our every day and every context of our life, not just when you adorn the doors of a church or attend a small group study, but in your workplaces, in your gyms, in the coffee shops that you frequent, There, we're walking with Jesus. We're yielding to him in those spaces. But what's that got to do with Anxiety and worry, I mean, are we digressing here? Well, actually, Jesus is, again, encouraging us to turn our focus away from the things that bring anxiety and to direct our attention on him and his kingdom. It doesn't mean those things that you're thinking about aren't worth your thinking time. We have to process things that are often difficult. But when our primary focus becomes God, all-powerful, knowing, perfectly loving, being used by him, when that's our step one, we'll soon find that those things that once dominated our thinking no longer do. In saying all this, I want to acknowledge that for some of us, we've kind of maybe been in this mind space for a long time. You know, whether experiences or fears, they have kind of kept us in a place and it's hard to stop thinking about it or, or get out of that place. And you know, I am, just in a few moments, I'll, I will pray that if you've experienced that or are experiencing it in your life, that you'll know like instantaneous change this morning, that you'll walk out lighter and, and full of hope. And, uh, and yet at the same time, I feel like God, in bringing freedom from anxiety, is often a a day-at-a-time, multifaceted journey. Sometimes it's directly through His Word washing over us, uh, literally renewing our minds, rewiring it. Sometimes directly through mentors, counselors, therapy, close friends. Sometimes medication is able to bring us to a place of clarity so that we're able to process the roots and the reasons for our anxiety. But the point is, God can use all of these as a means to recenter our thoughts, our hearts, our lives on knowing Him and being used by Him. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Jesus closes his teaching with a a final encouragement. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And you know what's really interesting about this? For the longest time, I thought it was just bizarre that Jesus would say this. Um, Kind of what I would want him to say is something like, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, It's going to be fine. Uh, There's nothing too crazy on the horizon great. And then don't worry about today because I'm here with you and I've got this like force field around you that nothing bad's going to happen. So you don't need to worry about anything because it's like nothing bad's going to happen. Instead, what does he say to us? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. And today has enough trouble. It has its own quota of trouble. And I'm thinking to myself, thank you. Jesus, for those words of encouragement. What's really interesting about worry and anxiety is it's often not necessarily what we're walking through that is causing it, but it's often kind of the what could happen, you know, the what-ifs. Our imagination starts to run wild, and we think, okay— Where are we going to be in in five years? Or how is this this going to pan out? Or what if this happens and this happens and this happens? And suddenly we got ourselves all um, worked up. And have you ever had somebody come alongside you then and said, you know what, statistically, I saw saw it on Google, there's like a 1% chance that that's going to happen to you. So don't worry about it. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not helpful, (laughs) you know? It seems like even if there's a small chance of something happening, or maybe you have a family member or friend that something has happened in your life and you think to yourself, if that happens to me, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe you live under the shadow of that, the fear of that. If something's going to happen, I, just waiting for it to happen. So, and that's where your fear and your anxiety is coming from. But you know what I love about Jesus' words here? He's not saying it, do not be anxious, On the probability that something's not going to happen. It's not called comfort in that sense. No, Jesus says, do not be anxious because God's grace is sufficient for whatever you may face today or in the future. See, he's realistic about our troubles, our problems, but he's also realistic about the power of God. Once again here, it's a focus thing. It's interesting. Jesus says, don't let your focus be on tomorrow, but on today. And the fact that I am with you, and I want you to rest in my sufficiency for what you face today and what you may face tomorrow. But don't take the what ifs or the what may happen tomorrow into your Today, don't carry it on your shoulders. This past week, my mom celebrated her birthday. And uh, in just a few weeks, my dad will celebrate his birthday. He's going to be 85. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how old my mom is. If she wants to tell you that, she'll tell you herself. Uh, But speaking of my childhood, I, uh, I just remember having this sense as a child that... Whatever happened in my life that I felt like my parents were like strong enough, able enough, wise enough, resourceful enough to be able to 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 get me through it or to just get me out of it, you know and so, as a child, I think that brought some level of comfort and reassurance and and now looking back, I feel like in some ways that was an unrealistic expectation of human parents, even even amazing human parents. The thing is, from what we read of Jesus' words here, it's not an unrealistic expectation of God. It's not an unrealistic expectation of God. We can know peace. We can know stability in our thoughts and in our hearts because we know that whatever happens, even if our what-ifs happen, that he's sufficient. To strengthen us, to provide for us, to lead us, to comfort us, to change us. Do not be anxious. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today... Uh, be sure to check out beyond the sermon this is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on sunday there you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at some questions for you to to dive into but then there's also a discussion uh, that i have with whoever is teaching that sunday and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon if you've enjoyed our podcast feel free to share it with your friends And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.